I'm Michael Ashcroft, the founder of Lord Ashcroft Polls, and this is the Ashcroft in America podcast. I'm thrilled to be talking to John Kasich, the governor of this great state of Ohio, and almost the last man standing in the bruising showdown that was the Republican primary contest of 2016. Governor, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me. And without wanting to cause any traumatic flashbacks, what are your reflections on that primary race two years on? Well, I don't think it's a very good way to pick a president, is to begin with. I think, uh, you know, I remember there was a great biblical story of Moses who said to the Lord, don't send me in to see the Pharaoh, I don't speak very well. And so what happened was Aaron was sent in along with Moses to communicate. Now, I don't know that much about Aaron, but I know a lot about Moses. And so when you have this business of a, of a kind of a debate, a cattle show, where the reward goes for those who say the most incendiary things, and we sort of judge a person's ability on the basis of flip quick answers, that doesn't work. I mean, the best way to determine whether somebody is qualified to be a leader, and I don't think this will ever happen because you won't get good te television ratings, the best way to determine it is to have a thorough conversation to determine the depth of that individual, what their knowledge is, their, what their leadership capabilities are. And so that process, to me, is deeply flawed, and we will continue it. And I guess it's part of an American tradition, but maybe it's time to break tradition. Do you think there are things that could have been done differently or different positions you could have taken that might have brought about a different outcome? Or do you think in hindsight that only one result was ever really on the cards? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you can't go back and, you know, what if the Beatles weren't from Liverpool? Would they still have been great? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I can't answer that. But what I can say is that the process by which we selected a leader to me was was deeply flawed. And um, again, though, if you are a television operation, you get high ratings, you make more money, you kind of like that as opposed to, you know, a David Frost type sit down and to try to explore the innards of a person. To me, in these times that are so challenging and are so well challenging, let's leave it there because the challenges come because of the disruption. Although we must say that anything that just sits and sits and sits will go bad if it's not reformed. But what I would say in these times, it's pretty critical that we have leaders of great depth who understand the ins and outs and the complications and the nuances of how really to be a leader. And we've seen these kind of great leaders emerge throughout history. And if we think about someone, of course, all Americans admire, and that's Churchill, uh, you know, Churchill didn't get selected because he was in the middle of some debate. It was through the power of his personality, his long history, his record. He was able to rise and, of course, rescue Europe from so much of the problems that we saw then, the catastrophes, working well with the United States in a coalition to defeat a, a vicious enemy. So do I think that had I said something different, I mean, well, why would I do that? To win? I mean, what should I change what I think or change what I do so I can win? Eh, that's What kind of a win is that? That's a pretty hollow victory. Uh, was I going to change my personality, start screaming and shouting and taking positions I didn't believe in? Now, now people smell out. They also smell a fraud, too. You've continued to be an outspoken critic of President Trump. Has that made life 
more difficult for you as a Republican on the Republican base in your own state? Well, I'm an American. I mean, the fact is that I, a Republican is a subgroup of what I am. And, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't engage the president in personal attacks, but I don't like the disruptive nature of what he does, the go it alone, the nationalist comments and the turbulence that we've seen in our country. It's never bothered me to be an outspoken person. I've been an outspoken Republican since the day I became a Republican, and that was a long time ago. Uh, you got to just, in politics or in life, you have to do what you think you have to do. You got to have good friends. I have great friends. Uh, one of them sitting here with us today, Bob Klafke, and he will, he does not hesitate to try to tell me when he thinks I'm wrong. I wish he did that less. No, but in all seriousness, I mean, you have to have people that can get, you, get, you can get their, 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 feel, their feedback. But, you know, once you have a, a certain sense or a position, you have to move forward with it. You can't be worried about, you know, who's going to be happy or who's going to be angry because, you know, in a sense, it's like fashion. One minute, you know, Red is a really great color, and orange is great the next year, and blue is great the next year. What do you try to put your finger in the ear to figure out which color is going to work? It's the same thing with politics. It's all you're trying to do is put your finger in the air and to assess where people are. The minute you assess where they are, they're already gone from that place. I mean, your criticism of the president quite clearly get a wide uh, airing. So may, may I put the question the other way around? Do you see any good things coming out of the uh, Trump presidency? Well, look, I, I think that, you know, the idea that our allies ought to do more to defend themselves, that uh, I think that's a, a, you know, a thing that's really important. The deregulation of American society, it's something that, you know, I think Macron wanted to do in France. I think Thatcher tried to do it. I, I don't know how far along she got, but deregulation has been good. We, I believe in that. I believe the fact that the corporate tax rate was too high, with the highest corporate tax rate. So, yeah, I mean, this is not like I'm, I'm, I'm here trying to say that anything he does that I'm against, because I'm not. But on the other hand, the idea that he's insulted leaders, that he's taken America alone process when working together would be much more effective. And I've also become pretty convinced that I thought in the beginning that the president could ultimately be a unifier I now pretty much believe that's not possible. He is not a person that believes in unifying, uh, and he isn't a person that likes to accept any personal responsibility, always blaming somebody else for the problems that we have. And uh, you know that's just not the way we're used to seeing our leaders operate. And thank God we have a silent majority of Americans who really do care about their country, really do love one another, and don't want to live in a totally conflicted society. One of the things I've found in our research is the president's core support does remain uh, solid. And even those who voted for him only reluctantly seem to be sticking with him as they like what he's doing, even if they don't always like how he behaves. What do you think will make these supporters peel away, if anything? Well, I know that one of a uh, guy that I grew up with said the reason he likes Trump is because his 401k is improved. Now, I don't know what happens after the stock market tumbles. Is that, does that mean he doesn't like him anymore? I don't know. But we're, we're kind of tribal here. Uh, we were never quite this way. You know, we're not Tory or labor, uh, you know, with these deep, dark divisions. People could, you know, they could stick to their party, but, you know, was capable of looking at the other side and not demonizing people. And right now, you know, we're, we're operating in a, in a tribal environment 
Now, uh, I don't think that's where people want to stay. I don't think people want to live on the edge. I don't think they want to live in, in a chaotic environment. But it's going to be up to certain voices to be able to tell people that we are always better when we work together. We're always better when we are our brothers and sisters keeper. We're always better when we attack problems and solve them uh, with determination and uh, in, in a way that can stabilize a situation. People do want to see good solutions for our country. So, I mean, can they be worn out? Can they begin? Can they hear a voice or voices that can remind them of certain things? And let me give you a perfect example. We've, hear, we've heard a lot about, and you've heard a lot, a lot about our immigration issues. Of course, you have them as well. And we hear about a caravan that's moving north and uh, going to come to America. You know, I was born in America. God, am I lucky. But if I were born in Guatemala and my daughter was being threatened to be raped and my son killed if he wouldn't become a drug mule, I'd probably want to get out of there and go somewhere where I could have a better life. So in some respects, I think of myself in that caravan. I have two sweet daughters and a wonderful wife. I'm in that caravan too, trying to make sure that my family can have security and safety and a better future. That doesn't mean we open our borders or anything like that, but it does mean that we need to have a heart for other people, that we have to put ourselves at times in other people's shoes. Now over in, in Europe, uh, and frankly, when I see these rafts that are floating around in the med, and countries will not take these people in. Well, you know, you and I are on that raft. Did you know that? We're on that raft. Our kids drowned in that water. What the hell, have we forgotten about our common humanity? I mean, how did this happen? So we better just begin to think about our common humanity. And we better think to a degree, I mean, I, I don't want to cut out the humanists, but we better think that the Lord has given us gifts and responsibilities. And one of the most important ones in all the religions, whether it's Judaism, Confucianism, whether it's Hindus, whether it's Christians or Jews, love your neighbor as you want your neighbor to love you. And somehow we've been, too many of us, have forgotten the golden rule. But when that's presented to people, into the, when they can see that and hear that and think about how lucky they are and their need to be caring about somebody else, they can change. Let me move on to Ohio itself after, after that. You've been a champion of the state's manufacturing industry and at the same time, a proponent of free trade. Has that been a difficult argument to advance in a state like Ohio? And do you think that argument can still be won nationally? Or is America retreating from the kind of free trading posture? Well, the president said the other day that he never put a tariff on anybody. So obviously, the American people are not real thrilled with, with uh, these tariffs that block trade. Because, I mean, you have to make the case. The fact is, is that when you have open and free trade, you have innovation, you have a consumer that benefits, you have uh, you know, human progress, and you have connection between different nations that have different skills. And uh, But, you know, America's got challenges with a, a globalization, with changing economy. So we have to be prepared to retrain our workers and to train our children at young ages to be resilient. And we don't do very well at the, either of those things. However, I mean, we want to obviously want a level playing field, all those kinds of things. In our state of Ohio, yeah, we, we like manufacturing, but we're no longer just a manufacturing state now. We are 
a 21st century oriented state where we have great advances, as you know, uh, in healthcare. A lot of has flowed out of places like the Cleveland Clinic. We have advancements in, 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 in IT. We've got great advancements in energy. We have great advancements, you know, beginning to get significant advancements in the area of food. You know, so Ohio, instead of just being thought of as some places that belches smoke and creates steel, We've got some of that, although we don't belt smoke anymore. Uh, we want to keep the manufacturing, but we have a different kind of economy today. And uh, we would love to have people uh, from your nation come and visit us. And when they come, when they come to Columbus, Ohio, or Cleveland, or Cincinnati, or Dayton, I mean, they're pretty well shocked. So I just think that um, we can continue to, to sell the issue of open trade because it's good for consumers. And... Um, I don't find much, it's not very difficult for me. You've continued to campaign for Republican candidates, though. Only get... ones that I felt were unifiers, the ones who are hardcore dividers. Uh, I don't campaign for them. But do you sometimes feel torn between loyalty to the party and opposition to the not really. leadership? To be honest with you, not really. It's pretty simple. I don't, I don't have a lot of, look, this job as governor has been really, frankly, pretty easy. Because if you don't take into account a whole lot of political considerations, it's pretty easy when you're driving a car to know whether you go left, right, or straight ahead. So do I feel torn? No, I don't feel torn by that. I mean, there's things I feel torn about. You know, what, which golf swing should I use? Now that, that haunts me. But in terms of whether I, you know, do I feel torn in some way, you just got to be true to myself. And I have a right to shape the Republican Party and the conservative movement in a way that I feel. I'm, I am the governor, at least for a little while longer. And then being with you, we still call Lord. Hopefully when I'm done, they'll still call me governor. My Lord. <laughs> My Lord. Yeah. My we, Lord, yes. We must just well, get the etiquette. Wait, wait, right, wait, wait Harrison <laughs> sang that, didn't he? <laughs> you know, following on from that, wouldn't it make your case about the president and the direction the party is taking if it actually lost control of Congress in these elections? Well, I think it would be a big wake-up call, but, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to root against, you know, I'm in a clubhouse, you know, so I am a Republican, I am a conservative. Uh, I'm more cons concerned about our country and more concerned about the conservative activity than I am the Republican Party, but what I would not think would be a good thing is to replace a, uh, a you know, a, I don't want to see a whole bunch of people that want to go to some sort of a, a position of higher taxes, more spending, more government, more regulation. That doesn't make me happy at all. And I think where the Democrats have fallen short has been their inability to articulate to articulate a, a provision where, or a platform where it could be appealing to people who say, uh, you know, this hard right position is bad, but if it's a cho choice between hard right and hard left— we had that really in the presidential campaign. I voted for John McCain, so I guess that answers the question. You almost had me trapped there for a moment. <laughs> Looking further into the future, it's easy to imagine a presidential candidate who has similar policy positions to Donald Trump, but hard to think of someone who has the same way of going about things. Do you see the current Republican voting coalition persisting beyond the Trump era or will it have to be rebuilt from scratch? Well, I think we're going to have to see what it looks like after the midterm elections. And uh, 
you know, I'm not a fortune teller, and we've all been surprised with what we've seen develop in our country politically. And uh, I just can't, I don't want to be in the prediction, predicting business. I don't know what's going to happen, but do I think that this country is going to settle down? Yes, I do. But it's going to take people to realize that the answers do not lie in their big time political types, but really the strength of, a, of our country is in our own communities and lies with, with people who live right here in this neighborhood. We tend to think about politics as something that, that matters so much to us, but at the end, you know, who's your congressman or your senator or who's the president really doesn't affect you much on a daily basis. What really affects you is how your kids are doing in school. Is your neighborhood safe? What's your neighbors like? Those are the things that really, at the end of the day, matter most to people, not who's, who is it that's, you know, who's on the field of play. Uh, finally, you're regularly asked about whether you'll run for president again in 2020. And I should say we recently uh, met some Republican primary voters in New Hampshire who would welcome the prospect. Well, I'm going to announce here today that I'm going to be a candidate. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, look, As, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I am now very energized about a a new project I want to get to uh, about an, a book that my chief of staff is not even aware that I've decided to do. I don't know how I'm going to impact the, the culture or the country. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't want to waste my time and diminish my voice. Uh, we just have to see how things unfold. And I don't know. We'll, we'll just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think on that note, Governor, Thank you very much indeed. It's been a real privilege. Thank you very much indeed for taking the time Thank you. Uh, to talk to me. And God Thank bless, uh, God bless uh, the UK and all and the deep and wonderful relationships that we've had. And I'm looking forward to being across the pond to spend more time with all of you.